you're not supposed to be here. That's what Sean Harper was told all his life. But this former professional football player and now motivational speaker turned that and other adversity into an NFL career and now coaches people and businesses on how to overcome disadvantage and win. Sean Harper, welcome to the Cultural Scavenger. Thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, let's have fun. Let's win with it. Absolutely. Let's have you talk about your career in the NFL. It was an absolute blast. I was drafted um, 1992 by the then Los Angeles Rams before I went to St. Louis. Now they're back in Los Angeles, but uh, I was drafted by the Rams originally, and I spent uh, two years with the Rams. And then from there, I uh, jumped over to Houston. I didn't, I didn't finish a full season with Houston. And then, of course, from Houston, I went off to NFL Europe. Uh, for a season. And then I came back and finished it with Indianapolis Colts 95 and into 96. And so and then I went back to back to NFL Europe. So a total of seven seasons playing professional football, uh, Rams, Colts, Oilers uh, in, in, in NFL Europe had an absolute blast, an absolute blast playing professional sports. Uh, but you know what? What I liked most was just the camaraderie, meeting with the guys, hanging out. It was just it was just mind boggling. You took all my questions away. <laughs> My follow-up questions. Okay, so here's one for you. Who's Go the teammate it. that you most admired, whether it was a teammate or, a, a, you know, an opposing player? Wow. Who, who did you think, this guy is a stud on on all levels? Jackie Slater. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. He he ended up playing about 20 years of professional football, and I, and, and I love the way he distinguished himself. Uh, you know, other guys would come to practice in sweatpants and the same sweats for the last two weeks. And, you know, here comes this man in the practice and, um, you know, suit and tie. Come there with, you know, nice shirt, open collar or an actual tie. And and it was amazing because what it did for me was that I is that is that I understood you know, his perspective. And that is that it's business. It's all business. And you have to keep that mindset. And that was extremely, extremely impressive. You know, and, and I think guys like like Jackie Slater, who I remember, I'm old enough to remember. I, I remember you playing. I remember, you know, I was a yeah. huge NFL play, you know, fan. Um, still am to a degree. But, uh, you know, back in those days, I was a, I, growing up in Texas, I was a big Cowboys fan. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, listen, I, listen. I, I used to be a huge, a huge Cowboys fan, but I, I just could not get over the fact of how they fired Tom Landry. Just, oh. <laughs> just cut, just but you know, that was, that was actually a pretty good move. I mean, they got a, they got to think back. I mean, they had Jimmy Johnson and that was the last time they, they did anything, Jimmy but, Johnson, but man, I was even, you know, I'm older than you are. And I even go further back and I actually went to school with Earl Campbell at university of Texas. <sighs> I love college sports. I love my Longhorns. I think as as great as Ricky Williams and Vince Young were, Earl was he was just remarkable. I mean, hard he, runner. He yeah. he really was. And and I think it goes to what you were saying about Jackie Slater and and all the guys and and Tom Brady, who's you know he's going to be playing till he's eighty. Yeah, <laughs> easy. But 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 they have a work ethic. I mean, there is yep. a work ethic. They show up to work. And I think that's how they, how you approach it, and how they succeed. Yeah, I, and 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 they quickly distinguish themselves. They're not afraid to take risk. They are uh, super diligent, and they realize that 
if you're not competing on game day on Saturday, you're competing against your teammates. And if you're not competing against your teammates, you're competing against yourself. But there's always competition to push you higher, to take you to that next level. Yeah. Well, let's go to your your upbringing. Yeah. Um, you grew up on the south side of Columbus, Ohio. And I take it it wasn't Beverly Hills. No, it was not. It was, you know, there was uh, tons of tons of poverty in every facet. You know, it's not just the economic poverty, it's the mental poverty, uh, it's the social poverty, the lack of resources. And, and um, if I could define poverty, I would define it as a severe lack of resources. And uh, that was my upbringing, a single parent family. Uh, mom raised all six of us by scrubbing floors. And mm-hmm. I went off to, to Moeller Elementary School, uh, had to repeat the first grade. By the time I was in the fifth grade, I was documented with four to five learning disabilities. I was kicked out of uh, two schools for disciplinary issues. Uh, left high school with a 1.62 accumulative GPA, not on my CT, right? And um, the voter most likely to fail. And as far as athletically, you know, I wasn't even honorable mention all conference. You know, it was, it, was, it was just horrible. You know, I was that guy sitting in the back of eating that nasty cordon blue, you know, and uh, at the banquets. <laughs> and these guys are like all city, all state, all intergalactic, all universe. And this, here I am in the back, right? And so that really weighed heavily on me. And I get a phone call from a junior college in Mason City, Iowa, right? So I'm from the hood, right? And so here I'm, I'm getting this call from the cornfields of Iowa to come play junior college football, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, man. So I go up to the play. In the first year, I, you know, I sit the bench and I have this conversation. And the conversation goes a little like, you know what? You're right. I won't be successful. I don't have what it takes. I said, but I have what it takes to win, and I'm a winner. And the moment I said that, you know, those old sci-fi movies where they, where this one guy hits a switch and this entire like 50,000 square foot machinery comes to life, the lights spark and it's one switch, right? Yeah. And I made that switch. Everything in my body began to shift. It was the and aha moment. It's the aha moment. And I began to see life differently. And I began to look at life from a competitor's perspective and it's win or lose. And once that happens, getting down to the, uh, cellular level. That's who I am. I'm a winner. I begin to MacGyver life. You know what I'm talking about, MacGyver, oh, yeah, right? Man. I begin to MacGyver life. And it led to me getting a full ride to Indiana University, being drafted in the NFL. Been, I've been in business for over 20 years. Uh, and uh, I've been married for almost 22 years. And I have to throw that in there, you know, because that is a win as well. Sending my son off to college. He's going to the University of Kentucky next month. And so it's, it has been an absolute blessing for me. I listened to one of your speaking engagements and you, when you share this story and it reminds me of what my son drew went through in school. I mean, he's on the, it's different, but he was on the, he's on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and he had the same thing. He, he didn't have a teacher pull him out of line and say, Oh, you're going back to first grade, but it was the same thing. He had to repeat first grade and he was bullied. It was a very tough thing for him to go through. I mean, I think if you don't have family, if you've got those kind of issues, you're going to be even more disadvantaged, I think. Yeah. And, and oftentimes we overlook that aspect of the win or people say success in life. You know, everyone needs, you need a coach, you need a mentor, you know, you need competitors, 
But you also need that cheerleader. You also need that one person in, in your corner looking you in the eye saying, I believe in you. I and I support you. I love you. There's, there's nothing better than to have that, that one or two people that you know that has your back. Now, they might call you out, but they have your back in life. If the people are listening to me right now, if you have that person, they're not called to your mission. They're called to you. And mm-hmm. you have to make that distinction. And you have to treat them like that. You have to have one or two or maybe three people that in sync with you that can hold you up watch while you sleep or or just have your six have your back the rider dies you have to have it. i uh, was struck by one of the comments that you said too that it's almost like a mantra that you fought against and it it was probably inspiring and you know what it is he's not supposed to be here yeah he's yeah. not supposed to be here and i thought man the way you tackled that that's right. inspirational tell me about you know it. It, it's it's a the success model dictates who rises and who falls. The success model says, hey, you went to the right school, you get the right grades, or hey, you're all state football, you're, you know, you're an outlier, or hey, you're extremely talented. So this is your track and everyone knows that you're going to be at the top. They're, they expect you to be at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And here comes me. One of the secrets is that I looked at the rules and I looked at the laws and everything I look at, say, is it a rule or is it a law? If it's a rule, I might just break it. In fact, yes, I'm going to break that rule. But if it's a spiritual law, I do not violate spiritual laws. In fact, I use the laws in my favor. My mom taught me that long time ago. You know, as poor as we wore, I wore a po. I mean, po. She would take $20 a month and give it to the poor. God taught her to do that. That's a spiritual law. Because if you give, it'll come back to you. So you can rig the game. You can hack the game of life through spiritual laws. And I learned that at a very young age. So I live and I give and I forgive often. And that allowed me to to circumvent different systems and protocols. I I would move into situations and circumstances and people are like, you know know what? I'm starting on the depth chart or, or, you know what? I have this favor, even in business. Nope. You know, I have this contract. Like, okay, I just live, give and forgive, give. And, and, and just one of many laws. And you know what? Every time I would come out on time. Well, just about every time I would come out on time. When you heard he's not supposed to be here, did that give you extra motivation for oh, yeah. finding and keeping oh, your yeah. dream and finding that oh, purpose? Yeah. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong in every aspect, in every facet. But here's where it gets interesting. There comes a point where you have to dump the fuel. Okay. It's if you want to land on your purpose and your destiny, like the plane lands right before it lands, most people don't know that 747, that 737 is dumping fuel. It, may, it might have too much fuel to land heavy. So guess what? If you want to land on your purpose and your destiny, at some point you got to dump that fuel and that fuel of, of I'm going to show you that fuel of unforgiveness, that, that fuel of anger, that fuel of pride. You got to dump it or you won't land. I fight that. Yeah, I fight that a lot. And as I'm sure you, if you know my story, you can understand why, because Mm -hmm. I, it's hard not to be angry and it's hard not to be bitter. And my wife tells me that all the time. You've got to, this is going to eat you up. You've got to stop. And, and actually one of the reasons I did this podcast or started this podcast was to have something that's good for the soul. Yes. Just having conversations like this and having fun with 
subject, different subjects and different people that it's not related to gun violence and it's not related to Google. And it's, you need something like that, or I need something that like that in my life. Yes. I'm never going to completely heal, but at least it, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they trace a lot of chronic disorders back to unforgiveness. A lot of diseases back to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like, it's like radiation. I mean, sooner or later it will seep out. It, it will come out in various ways. It will, you know, it always destroys the container that is held in. Interesting. Well, how did your pro career end? You know, it takes a toll on the body, but yeah. how did that wind down? There's a series of clocks. This is how I like to look at it. There's a series of clocks, right? There's the physical clock. There's a spiritual clock. There's a social clock. And once that clock rings, it hits high noon and it's time to, and it's time to hang it up. Well, then it's time to hang it up. Physically, I probably could still play it maybe about three, four more years. But the spiritual and the mental clock was like, it's time. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to be that guy who's chasing the game. That person. And there are guys like that. I mean, yes, they, yes. they hang on too long, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Is it they miss the competition? They, it's, it's almost like an institutional way of living. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, to I mean, it's, but, but, but uh, to their credit, here you have a person that basically was born with a football in his hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since the second grade, he's been, he's been playing football and you know, all the way to middle school. He tracked him all the way through high school. You know, he went to his favorite university. Now he's drafted. He's playing at the professional level. And one day it's over. It's done. Not even a slowdown, not even a, well, you know, no, it's done. One day is over. How do those guys deal with it? Are there emotional crises that, oh, yeah. that these guys go through? Oh, yeah. All the time. It For me, I'm not going to speak for all these individuals, but for me, it was a long, drawn-out process. I mean, for years, every time I would walk uh, into a locker room and smell the, you know, that sweat, it's a certain sweat you smell, like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, you smell those shoulder pads. You're like, oh, man, this is it. Let's go. You smell it. It's like, man, it's here. Yeah. Or or um, every year around around August, you know, like, why am I getting so antsy? What's going on? It's that time. It's that time. And then, But, you know, as the years go along, it begins to wing. Uh, I still have dreams every once in a while. I'll be playing football. You know? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you like to watch it? Oh, yeah. I love it. The great thing is, you know, I'm able to see the game within the game. Yeah. Look at the interior line. The sad part about being at, you know, being a performer athlete is oftentimes the commentators are wrong. And oftentimes you can kind of tell who's going to win the game. If you know what to look for, like, oh, yeah, they can't stop that read. This game's over. It's over. This game is really over, you know. But you're amongst 15 other people. You know, they're all friends and you don't want to spoil it. Right. So you just got to keep your mouth <laughs> shut and go talk to some, cause you already know the game is over. You can almost predict the score. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who do you like calling the play or, you know, the, the color man and the play by play guy, who, who do you think are the best guys out there these days? Um, who do you like? The like best? The, you know what? I don't have, you know, I like Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah. I like Kirk. Um, 
I tell you else, uh, Carter is good. But Kirk, you know, I like, you know, he kind of has a balance. You know, I'm kind of a different guy in this, in that aspect. And this is why. If you've never at least played college, you don't have the authority, in my opinion, to yeah. rip the way, I mean, to rip these guys the way that you do. Yeah. You ever notice that when a person who's played at the professional level, you ever listen to their critiques of people? It's not, maybe not Charles Barkley, but <laughs> Charles, Charles, Sir Charles, it gets you. No, Sir, no holes barred with Charles. So, but, but, but generally, you know, it's a little, it's a little softer. Yeah, they t- the, they tend to protect. You know, it, it's yeah the fraternity, man. You don't want to yeah. dump on your well, well, your guys. well. Not only that, but they understand there's other variables to the game. Yeah, there's other variables. Now, if you are a super elite athlete like LeBron James, you're gonna catch it. You got to yeah. catch it. Yeah, but generally they have a little bit more grace. They have grace. But someone who's never played, maybe got to high school. Oh man, you can always tell. Oh, he's this. He's like this. Is not. I was like, you know what? Uh, you know who comes to mind there? Skip Bayless. Yeah, I know. You know, you know. I'm not. That's going the to, worst. I'm not going. <laughs> he's. I, he was just the. We we could do another episode on how bad Skip Bayless yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I wouldn't do an episode on that. I, it's just. No, it's, I know. I'm just. I'm yeah, kidding. Just, you know. Anyway, how did, so when was the moment that you decided, you know, I've got a pretty good gift to gab and I can share this with people. When did you decide to become a motivational speaker? um, One of the great things about the NFL and, you know, they have a a lot of great things. I'm not the kind of guy to bash, you know, I hate doing it. One of the great things about in the NFL is that they have a, you know, great PR department and Mm -hmm. they would tap the shoulder of players and have them go out into the community and speak and share, right? And I'm like, they would always ask me, Sean, you, you know, do you want to go here? You want to go to fundraiser? You want to speak? And I would go speak. Yeah, I loved it. And once I retired in a, around 2000, I'm thinking, that, okay, it's over. But the phone calls kept coming. And so I just kept moving into that vein. And the rest is history. Obviously, COVID sort of put the kibosh on, yeah. on speakers touring. Yeah. Uh, are you back? Or are you, you know? Yeah, I- I'm back. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. But you know what, though? I, you know, I've, um, I've grown to have a huge appreciation for Zoom and Zoom conferences and Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like I'm talking to you right now and there's people all, you know, all over the country, maybe even all over the world listening. I can get up right now and go to breakfast with my son. I've already yep. had lunch. You know, I've already spoken to thousands of people. And, you know, and so I like that aspect of it. I really do. It, it is pretty cool. And I don't think the world is going to go back to no. pre-Zoom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's just too easy. And it's just so easy. Uh, and for a podcast, to me, it's great because just the audio piece of this is going to be captured. Right. But it's great seeing you. It's nice to put yeah. a face with a name. And it feels like we're having, which I hope you feel you know, yeah. the same way. We're having a conversation. And having that's, a dialogue. That's what makes it fun. So what is Sean Harper going to do going forward? Yeah, you know, I still have What my, do you want to do when you grow up? Coach. <laughs> I'm, I would like to coach uh, 
emerging business leaders. I love to coach entrepreneurs and CEOs how to win. I love to take the concept that I've learned playing professional sports and merge it into corporate America. I've been in business for over 20 years. And so bringing it into the corporate realm is huge. And so I would love to do that. Uh, I would love to continue speaking and motivating and teaching. That's just me. That's awesome. Thanks for being on the program. Thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, it's, Thank you. it's great. Yeah. And you helped me. I mean, you gave me a nugget there. That's good stuff. So, and if you can do that in 30 minutes, then, um, <laughs> you, you, you done good. So thank you. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. And, uh, I hope to stay in touch with you and stay, uh, uh abreast of what you're doing. And in the meantime, you take care, buddy. Be blessed. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's the story. A special acknowledgement to Mary Ann Kennedy, Pat Bunch, and Pam Rose for allowing me to use their music from Safe in the Arms of Love, a song Allison loved. If you liked what you heard, please share my podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, why not subscribe? And I'd sure appreciate a great rating in Apple Podcasts, too. I'm Andy Parker, and I'll be here next week with another episode of The Cultural Scavenger. Thanks for listening.